Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Turn around and say hello to somebody somewhere. All right. Good to see you. Good to have our guests with us tonight. And that was a great song. Satan is real. A lot of folks don't believe in him, but I've done business with him. And he is real. And yet, we have a biblical optimism. We know that in the end, we win. We've read the back of the book. We know exactly how it's going to turn out. And my mother, who just went to heaven a few uh, weeks ago, always used to say, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Now, this book right here is God's love letter to you and me. This book right here is God's uh, owner's manual on our life. Whenever something's going wrong under the hood, we, we check the owner's manual. Uh, this book right here contains promises that have never been broken. Uh, you talk about a perfect warranty. We've got one from the Lord. And we know that in the end, uh, His plan is going to work out, and it's going to work out for the best. Once again, welcome to everybody. Let's take our Bibles tonight, and let's turn to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, once again, right there in the Old Testament. We're going to use that as a starting point, and we'll move on through the Scriptures tonight. In Psalm 42 and 43, Psalm 42 and 43, we have the psalmist, uh, and he is lamenting. He is speaking of pain. He's talking about uh, problems. He's talking about difficulties. Now, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior under false pretenses, hopefully tonight we can straighten things out. God never promised that there would be uh, always uh, cloudless skies and perfect circumstances and situations. That would only be if this is heaven on earth. It's not heaven on earth. This is the proving grounds, the training or the staging grounds for all eternity. What we have is the promise that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get an amen from out there in California? Amen, they're saying, out there in California. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. As the old gospel song goes, He will never let me down. He will never let me down. Jesus Christ will never let you down. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. Mark that down. Romans 8, 28. That doesn't mean everything, every element, every aspect of our life is going to be just what we want. But it means that in the end, God has a perfect plan. We want to make sure we're in that plan, that we're conformed to His will, that we submit to Him. The secret to the successful Christian life is saying these two words, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever the Lord says, we want to yield to Him. That doesn't mean you lose your autonomy. That means you submit to Him. That doesn't mean that you no longer are a person or have important creative ideas or suggestions. But it does mean that God knows the way through this whole mess. He knows the way uh, to the end. And that, that light that we're going for, he's, uh, he's that light. So praise the Lord. In Psalm 42, the psalmist is saying how thirsty he is for God. And we should hunger and thirst after righteousness. How many of you remember the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5? Blessed are the the hungry, the thirsty, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're going to be filled. They're going to be, their need is going to be met. And the psalmist says in verse 2 of Psalm 42, My soul thirsteth for God. I'm not talking about that which is temporal. I'm not talking about a temporal gratification, but I'm talking about that which goes deep 
into our very core, into our very being, and that which will be satisfying for eternity. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I referred, as we began tonight, to the Ethiopian eunuch who is coming back from Jerusalem and met Deacon Philip uh, on the way and uh, came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, was baptized scripturally there uh, out in the wilderness. See, here's much water. Uh, what doth hinder me to be baptized? If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And so he was baptized there uh, by that proper authority and praise the Lord for that. But he found out something that a lot of people don't know. Isaiah 53 is about our suffering Savior. When we were in California years ago, I made a phone call to the Mosaic Temple, a community of Jewish uh, people that uh, meet in Sacramento on Saturdays. And, and I spoke with the head rabbi and I asked him, of, of whom is Isaiah 53 speaking? And he said very soberly and very solemnly, uh, we have never learned his identity. We do not know who he is. And that's it. Without Jesus Christ, you're missing the main peace in your life. The main peace, the God's will and purpose in your life is found in knowing the person of Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, God the Son, second person of the Trinity. We thirst for Him. We thirst for God. Uh, my tears have been my meat day and night. So we have, we have here a testimony of the psalmist that he has been weeping. He's been going through some things and this is common to people. It was Job who said, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. So if you, uh, if you believe that sparks fly upward, and I've seen them fly upward, you know that man is born to trouble. We're going to experience some difficulties. Why do we have these difficulties? Why do we have these problems? Uh, this time of year ought to be a time of joy, shouldn't it? As we think about Christmas and its purpose and its meaning. And yet... This is a time of year when people are depressed in record numbers. Oftentimes there is a, a record established and not a very nice uh, record, but a record of those attempting suicide to end their life. What gets you down? What gets you depressed? What makes you feel low? Everybody has something in their life that has the potential to do that. Uh, you know who else knows? Satan knows. Satan knows what gets you down. He's got a book on you. Just like the old baseball scouts, they used to have, they used to have a page for every, for every pitcher, for every batter, as the case may be. And they knew exactly what they would swing at or what was going to be thrown. They knew that. And Satan has a book on you. He's got a book on me. And he will use it to try to defeat us on a daily basis if he can. I'm going to help you tonight if I can. So in Psalm 42, I want you to look at verse number 5. A question is being asked. Why art... Thou cast down, O my soul. This isn't just superficial, emotional, but it is deeper than that. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now mark that. Mark verse number 5. Move down to verse number 11 of the same chapter. Psalm 42, verse number 11. Psalm 42, verse 11. Now what do you notice about it? Why? Look at the similarities to verse number 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. 
Previously, there's praise being offered for God who is the help of our countenance. But now we have, in addition to that, praise because He is the health of our countenance. He is our reason for being. Then look at the next chapter, chapter 43. Look at verse number 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now these minor differences are not discrepancies or errors, but they're very carefully placed there by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we will understand that the help that we're receiving is not superficial, but is deeper. Health has to do with a condition. Health has to do with something that lasts for a period of time. So the help is directed at our spiritual health. The, the most uh, successful people I know are those who have been helped by God in the area of their spiritual health. They're healthy individuals, not just physically, not just because they take the right uh, supplements or they eat the right diet and take care of themselves and exercise and work out. But spiritually, they are healthy. And how can you be spiritually healthy? Well, first of all, you've got to start out with the right identity. And that is by being born again. Have you been saved? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Jesus Christ says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The weariness of, of serving the devil, the world, and the flesh will wear you thin spiritually. And that yoke that Satan offers that's spoken of in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. That yoke is an iron yoke. It's a heavy, oppressive yoke. And Jesus says, come unto me. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's offering us something so that we can hook up with him. A yoke has room for two. And so we yoke up with Jesus Christ. He's on one side, we're on the other. Thereby we learn what it is to walk this walk and to live this life and be successful at it. The Lord isn't going to just hang us out to dry and say you're on your own. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. This man of sorrows who's acquainted with griefs is going to go through every grief with us. He's going to go through every sorrowful experience with us. He's going to help us through all of our problems. When he hung upon the cross, he bore our griefs. He bore our sorrows. That means when he died on the cross, he not only paid the debt of your sin, but he completely and totally understands everything you feel and everything you will ever experience in this life. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, who is 100% God and 100% man, and He experiences what we experience. So if we need spiritual health, which we ought to have, if we need healing, if we need mending, then He knows all about it. He knows exactly what we need. Now the devil and the world and the flesh come swooping in. They want to capitalize us when we're at our lowest, when we're down, and uh, try, to, try to keep us down. But the Lord gives us every opportunity by Himself and with what He offers for us to come back and uh, praise the Lord for that. We have three scriptures that are very, very similar. They are different for a reason, but they are very, very similar. Ray Hart was a great singer. He used to sing at the Sword of the Lord conferences. I appreciate uh, Ray Hart. He died way too young. But he used to say something about uh, the preaching at the sword of the Lord. Brother Hiles, Brother Rice, Dr. Malone, others of that same stripe back in the 
60s and 70s, those men would preach all across the country. Sometimes they would preach uh, a dozen times in, in the week, not Sundays, not Wednesdays, but in the interior of the week in different places to try to revive the Christians and try to get the churches up and go and get the pastors up out of their despondency and, and out of their bad habits and moving forward to, to try to bring this world to God before it's too late. Ray Hart used to say that God used that preaching because it was repetitive. Over and over. If something's right, it's right the second time. It's right the third time. It's right the fourth time. And if you ever heard Brother Hiles or Brother Rice or Brother Malone or any of those preachers back in the Sword of the Lord days, those men are now with God. But when they would preach, they would first tell you what they were going to say. Then they would say it and they would have Scripture. And then they would tell you what they said. And they would draw the net. And they'd pull it all together. And when the invitation was given, it was like a bomb went off in the place and people would come forward and kneel down and get right with God. A little mini revival right there. Repetition is good. And here the Lord gives us repetition, not once, not twice, but three times. We have the psalmist saying, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Maybe you can identify with the psalmist. Maybe you can identify with the writer because you felt really cast down in your soul down deep where it really counts. When the Lord says something one time, that's enough. When He says it twice or three times, we'd better pay attention. Why art thou cast down? Why are you disquieted? Why am I disquieted inside? Oh, I, I'm going to hope in God, and, uh, and uh, yet I'll prove that He is uh, my help. He is my health. He's the one who is going to help me through. I'm going to ask God, to guide us into all truth right now. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the specifics that we give tonight will be taken to heart. Somebody here, somebody listening, somebody viewing online needs this message. They've gotten discouraged. The world, the flesh, and the devil has been trampling all over them this week. I pray that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 will provide the right answer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole book of Job is a book about a man who suffered outside of the Lord Jesus and perhaps the Apostle Paul, who we read about in the New Testament. Job suffered more than any other person to ever come along. Job had it all, and the Lord allowed him for a time to lose it all, everything but his life. And during that period of time, during that time of testing, Job found out some things, that material things are simply for time, material things don't last for eternity. Secondly, he also learned that God doesn't owe you an explanation. We just trust in Him. We hope in Him. We look to Him. God doesn't have to tell you why you're going through what you're going through. He may explain it to you. You may understand why you're going through it. But trust in Him. Hope in Him. Stay focused on Him. And then thirdly, Job teaches us that even the most righteous man on earth still needs to repent before God. We still need to turn around and go the other direction. And by the grace of God, we can be successful. Every single one of us is in that boat. So when we ask the question, why do the righteous, why do the godly suffer like they do? And especially, why at Christmas time? Why do they suffer? My answer is, why not? Jesus Christ, a man of sorrows, acquainted with our griefs, He took our pain, He took our punishment for us many times, People who have done nothing specifically wrong to deserve what they're going through still suffer, but there's a godly reason for it. Let me give you five 
possible reasons for the suffering that we go through. I want you to put them down. Number one, number one reason, and perhaps the most common reason, is that suffering is the, just simply the tragic result or the consequence of our own sin. Now, not everybody is suffering right now because they sinned, but all of us have sinned. What we're going through may not be because of our own sin that we've committed. Somebody else may be doing something to us, and it may be part of God's greater plan, the bigger picture. We don't know at this point. But for I, I would say for all that I have seen over 50 years of preaching and teaching and counseling, most often people are going through things because of what they've done or failed to do. We understand because of our sin nature. That's why we go through most of what we go through. And a lot of people would object to that and they'd say, I don't like to be blamed for my own uh, consequences. But you know what? We have to face it. When I was a little kid, there were some standards and some rules in my house. Now, my dad was old school. And he was brought up this way and this is the way he brought me up. And so when I got into bad trouble, he would say, son, go to the garage. Now, we didn't have a woodshed, so he'd say, go to the garage. And that's where uh, he took care of business with me. My dad loved me. I know he loved me. But when I needed to get it, I got it. And uh, I understood that I deserved it. These were the tragic consequences of my own sin. I understand that. There was never a time, I can honestly say, there was never a time when I got a whooping that I didn't deserve and a lot more besides. And there were plenty of times I didn't get a whooping and I thought I got away with it. But there is sowing and reaping all through our life. We understand that. So why do the godly suffer? Well, we all have a past. Every one of us has done things that, that cause us to be guilty before God. And so it may be some of the things we're going through have something to do with that. Maybe the residual of something. You say, well, but I told God I was sorry. And that's very true. That's very true. If you're sorry, then I tell you what, God takes that punishment, puts it on Jesus Christ. But the temporal consequences of our sin will be with us. In recent years, we have had a number of funerals for people who got right with God, but before they got, with, got right with God, they had spent a lot of time tearing up their body. And it may have been because of what they smoked or it may have been of what, what they drank or what they did to their bodies. But their bodies had results in them. And it is possible that God shows mercy. But we have buried some people over the course of the years that did horrible things to themselves. And as a tragic consequence of that, paid for it with time off. Time that was taken that they would have otherwise had. I believe a life can be shortened. A physical life can be shortened. Now they're saved and they're with Jesus. So they got to go to heaven. But that's the wrong way to get there quicker. All right, I'm just telling you that. Sometimes it's the tragic consequences of the results of our own sin. The Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He says, If ye endure chastening, God deal, dealeth with you as with sons. If God doesn't chasten us for sin that we commit, if we don't go through some things uh, to be right with God as a result, then it may be that we are not actually a child of God. We haven't actually received Christ as Savior. And he says so basically in the same scripture. He says if we're without chastisement, we're of all our partakers, then we're, we're not legitimate sons. That's what it boils down to. If I am a legitimate child of God by having been born again 
the Bible way, then when I do wrong and I fail to confess it, I'm going to suffer the consequences. I'm going to be chastened. The Lord's going to do that to bring me back to that close fellowship, that close walk with Him. It is for my own good. It is for His glory. I understand that. I'm not mad with God. I'm not blaming Him for what I've done wrong. There are those today who would not take that attitude or that position. And they would say, well, God shouldn't pick on me. God's been picking on me. God's not fair. God is more than fair. God is more than just. God is loving and long-suffering and merciful. And praise God, His mercies endure to all generations, the Bible says. He goes the extra mile for us. And so let's not be accusing God. The first reason why some folks may be suffering is because it may be the tragic consequences or the results of their own sin. There's a second possibility. Second possibility is that it may be uh, our means of teaching others. Teaching others about the Lord. In 1 Peter 5.10, we find that suffering can be a ministry. 1 Peter 5.10 says, But the grace, excuse me, the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect or complete, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God has a perfect will for your life. And we want to be in that perfect will for our life. God also has a permissive will. And He sometimes allows us uh, to go a certain direction to prove that He is uh, true to me. That He will uh, draw me back to Himself. Uh, and uh, many times the Lord has uh, given us an opportunity to follow Him. And uh, we failed. At other times we followed Him. We have an opportunity of teaching others about the grace of the Lord, about who He is, about His attributes, about how He treats us and what He does for us. And who here can accuse God? God has been so good to us. He's been uh, so kind and so gracious to us over the course of time. And so praise the Lord. The second reason that we may be suffering is to teach others about the Lord. It gives us an opportunity to talk about how good God is. And then, number three, there's a third possibility as well. And that is, it may be a time for personal testimony. It may be who we are. In John chapter 9, it says that Jesus passed by, and He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And His disciples asked Him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now notice, why this man was born blind. It was in the plan of God. It was in the permissive will of God. And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You and I might be suffering because something we've done, and we're suffering the tragic consequences. It may be something in our flesh, in our body, that we have to deal with, and it may actually shorten our life. But we have learned our lesson, and God is good anyway. It may be that uh, as a result of our suffering, we can teach others about the attributes of God, who He is, and how He works with us. It may be a matter of our personal testimony. And so this man who was blind was, was given sight by Jesus Christ. He spat on the ground, put, put that clay on his eyes, said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, 
And uh, he went and he washed. And the Bible says he came seeing. The blind man was made to see. And they brought him to the Pharisees. And, uh, and they said, this is the guy that used to be blind. And of course, the Pharisees didn't believe it. But he says, yes, yes. And, they, and he said, well, who was it that made you to see? And he says, well, I'm not quite sure about all the details. But this one thing I know, whereas I was blind, I now can see. And when God does a work of grace in your life, out of the suffering, out of the trial, out of the limitations, He uses it for His own glory. There's a fourth possibility, and I want you to put it down. Our suffering may be a test. It may be a test. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to look at verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians and chapter number 12. Verse number 9. This is the Apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh. We do not know what it was. Most commentators have supposed, have speculated that it was his eyesight. He had a problem with his eyesight. And uh, he had a thing called ophthalmia. It was very repulsive to look at. And uh, it says in uh, verse number 8, verse number 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He asked the Lord three times. Here he is, the most spiritual believer who ever lived, we believe. Said, Lord, take it away from me. Three times he asked. And the Lord said what? Verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We've learned the principle in the Word of God when it comes to serving Him. God can take our weakness and work through that so that his strength is revealed. God can do great things even in spite of our weakness. And when it is done, we don't get the credit. God gets the credit because He worked in spite of our weakness. Here we have a case where Paul had a thorn in his flesh. It was, it was something that he didn't want. Something he prayed. And you'd think, wow, you would think that God would take it from, from Paul because Paul was such a great Christian. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament that his name, uh, they're signed uh, right there. We can see he wrote all these books. He served God. Book of Acts. He traveled. He made all those missionary journeys. He did all those things. He suffered for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet when he prayed and he said, Lord, take this, take this thorn in my flesh from me, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. And I'm going to give you that grace so that you can bear up under this. And it will all redound to my glory. Now you say, why would God do that? I don't know why God does everything that He does, but I know whatever He does, He does well. And it may be a test in your life. Your physical problem or your loss or what you've experienced may be a test. Now, it may be the tragic results or consequences of your own sin. It may be a teaching opportunity to teach how the Lord actually is and how He works with us as His children. Number three, uh, it, it, may be, uh, it may be a testimony Something that we say, I was blind, but now I see. It may be a test whereby we say, you know, the Lord's grace was sufficient. Now, I do not know in every case 
why we suffer. But I know that there is a biblical reason. When we come to the end of Paul's life, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me what? A crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. We are serving the Lord knowing that there is an end game. There is an end result. And the end result, if we serve Him faithfully, and we allow Him to work through our life, the lives of others will be touched. Some will get saved. They'll be drawn to Christ. Some will get right with God, get revived, and walk the way that God wants them to live. I don't know who it is that you're going to influence, but I can tell you this. I can guarantee you on the authority of the Word of God, when you and I begin to live as God wants us to live, and we yield to God, God will use us for His glory. If you'll just give yourself to God, listen to me out there. On live stream, listen to me. If you'll just offer yourself, surrender yourself for God's service, if you'll do that, say, Lord, take me, use me. He will use you for His glory. There has never been a case yet where an individual said, Lord, take me and use me. And they meant business that God was not glorified in it. I've given you already four possibilities. I want to give you a fifth possibility right now. Fifth possibility for suffering that you may not understand and I may not understand is that it may simply be a tag, an ID as belonging to the Lord. It says, it says this in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, suffering because you're saved, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy, happy are ye. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God not because they want to suffer, but let them suffer. Commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Here's the beauty of it. If God can entrust you and me with suffering in this case, we can trust Him to bring us through. I'll never forget one young lady who had a very uh, serious illness, a condition, when she gave a testimony one night before a group such as this, she stood up and she said, I thank God that He has chosen to trust me with this infirmity, with this illness. Think about that. God is not a cruel, capricious God. Heaven is better than this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a glorified body. I'm going to have everything brand new. Nothing will hurt. Everything will be perfect. There'll never be any pain or sorrow or death anymore. I'll never have any bills to pay. It'll be perfect in heaven. Between here and there, these are the proving grounds, the training times. And as we are training and as we are serving, the Lord is using us either to show people as a visual that you can't get away with sin, or this is how God is teaching about Him, or this is my testimony, whereas once I was blind, now I can see, so we can give the glory to God. Or it may be a test that we're going through and God brings us through the test for His glory. Or it just may be the tag that identifies you and me as a child of God. Whatever it is, you choose one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is. I don't know the reason. There may be more reasons. But the truth of the matter is 
God's got a reason and that's all that's important. If you're not right with God, get right with God tonight. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've never been saved, you need to call upon Him and ask Him into your heart and life to save you, to make you a brand new creature from the inside out. I'm promising you right now, you're not always going to have an easy time. But no matter what kind of bumps may be in the road, no matter where that road may take you, right or left, or however it may be, I know somebody that's going to walk with you. I know somebody who's going to talk with you. I know somebody who's going to take care of you. His name is Jesus Christ. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you down. And there will be times, as the poem oh, so well, that we know so well, the poem about footprints in the sand, He will carry you at times when you can't even go yourself. There'll only be one set of footprints. It'll be His as He carries you. He'll never let you down. No matter what the cause of your suffering or your difficulty, Jesus Christ loves you more than I can describe. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We have His Word for it right here. So as we go back to where we began tonight, He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with our griefs. There should be nothing that we would think it unusual that we would suffer because that's the nature of the life that we're living right now. With the psalmist's words, why art thou cast down? Don't misinterpret the fall. The fact that you're cast down does not necessarily mean something bad. It gives him an opportunity to work. Disquieted within your soul may represent frustration, inward frusta frustration within you. But look at the last part. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Hope in God, those three verses say. Keep your focus right. Yeah, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to be frustrated. But we need to keep our hope and our focus in God. He is the source of our help. He is the one who will give us spiritual health. He is the one that knows us better than we know ourselves. He is the one who loves us more than the English language can even describe. I know right now as I speak tonight, somebody needs this message. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And who here tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. Yes, God bless you. Now, what you're going to do about it is between you and the Lord. We said it not once, not twice, three times, and even more. But God will take care of you. God will never let you down. Jesus will walk with you. He'll talk with you. If your fall, if your pain, if your difficulty is the result of your own consequences, your own tragic results of sin. Confess your sin and He'll take it and uh, He'll bury it in the deepest sea. Praise God. If, uh, if it's for some other reason to help you to teach about the Lord or to give a testimony or if it's a test or if it's simply a tag, an identification, then accept it as from the Lord and say, Lord, I'll willingly accept. Uh, your strength is made perfect in my weakness. I will allow you to work through my life. I am, I am honored that you would be glorified in and through me. And the world will take notice of a believer 
who is able to go through their trial, their difficulty with the Lord in that respect. He'll give you grace. He'll give you strength. He'll enable you to get through it. And every day that's the way we can face it. We get into the Word of God till the Word of God gets in us and we're strengthened and we're helped. Not maybe tonight. You've never received Christ as your Savior. Online right now they're getting an invitation. And if you've never received Him as your Savior, just pray from your heart. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So pray something like this silently. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Have you noticed this past year, people don't smile like they used to, and they're troubled, um, fearful, discouraged, even angry, and it's hard to see a smile behind a mask, but it seems like this past year has really been a trial for most people, and we can either be like them or we can be like Jesus Christ. In Matthew 9:36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And the multitudes need our compassion. And that's why the Lord has left us here to hand out tracts, to be a witness. And so that's kind of what this song is about. <laughs> 